This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're talking about back to school. So it's the second most expensive time of year for families, only behind Christmas, according to the National Retail Federation. And we know for many, household budgets are really tight right now due to higher inflation and rising interest rates. Because of this, back to school may be creating added financial stress for many parents. But there are ways you can reduce costs associated with getting the kids ready to go back to school. And our guest today is truly an expert in this area. She's a recovered lawyer, <laughs> mom of six, and co-founder of Mabel's Labels, an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, and media personality. She is also a best-selling and award-winning author. Her book, Like a Mother, Birthing Businesses, Babies, and a Life Beyond Labels. Julie Cole, welcome back to Your Money. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Nancy. This is my most favorite time of the year, back to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure in many ways it is for others. and But I think this year in particular, because how you know tight many household budgets are, it is creating a lot of stress for people. And I do want to get into that. But, you know, you've got such an impressive resume. So before we jump right in, maybe you can share with our listeners how you went from being a lawyer to a parenting expert and well, I guess having six children certainly helped with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, one one would say. I, I always say, let's just wait and see how they turn out before people give me too many accolades. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know what? We started Mabel's Labels. Believe it or not, it's been 20 years. We just had our 20th anniversary, and wow. how I made the transition in my career and why it happened. And I think most entrepreneurs do have to understand their why. For me, there were two reasons. One, there was a product missing from the market. So along with my co-founder. We created a very durable and cute um, personalized label that can go on all the stuff kids lose. Their bottles, their sippy cups, their wipes containers, and of course their lunch boxes and water bottles and all that jazz and clothing. So there was that. And then my second reason was at the time my eldest child had just been diagnosed with autism and I wanted to leave the traditional workforce to have a little bit more flexibility. So that's how that came about. And then just through, I actually have a master's in education and then through, yeah, my experiences I've been blogging and then of course with the book recently um, and I speak about parenting regularly um, on various TV segments so it's it's been a it's been a fun ride and, and uh, yeah a lot of fun and, and, and very busy <laughs> yeah no no doubt about that at all um, but and you know what I know you're going to have great advice for our listeners today because you you do talk about this stuff all the time and, and you know what you're talking about in this topic and we know there's no doubt that right now many parents really are feeling stressed about the start of the the school year. And it's no wonder because surveys show that Canadians, including many here in Newfoundland and Labrador, are feeling financially stressed due to high inflation and rising interest rates. We've been talking about that on several shows over the last few months. And as mentioned off the top of the show, household budgets are really tight with little to no room for extras like the added cost of getting kids ready to go back to school. So polls show that while many parents are planning to be more cautious when it comes to back to school spending this year by prioritizing school supplies, they are still planning to spend just under $600 per student. I guess the good news is three quarters at 77% of parents surveyed plan to pay cash or debit for back to school purchases. But I think concern 
learning is that more than half at 52% also plan to use credit. So we know from past polls as well that back to school is a stressful time for parents. Three quarters at 75% of parents admit to feeling somewhat stressed about the cost associated with getting their kids' classroom ready. And debt is a key reason for this stress. About one third of parents surveyed expect to take on debt to cover back to school costs. The Retail Council of Canada's back to school shopping survey shows people plan to spend carefully this year. So according to the survey, three in four at 73.6% of Canadians plan to spend more than $50. The number of people planning to spend less than $50 is only 3.4%. And among the top items Canadian consumers will be looking to buy, stationery at just over 60%, clothing at about 32%, books and music at just over 23%, and electronics, which could include things like a computer or smartphone, is about 18%. So, Julie, let's talk about what the surveys are showing us. What is your response to these surveys? Are you shocked to see what some parents are prepared to spend? I'm actually not particularly shocked to see how much parents spend because I'm in that space and I'm hearing from them. And I think that this is this is stressful, um, but I feel like parents definitely feel pressure because all parents want is, is to set their kids up for success. And when they see that other families are spending and they see other kids with all of the things, they feel like in order to set their child up for success, they must do the same thing. And when you look at that number and you look at families like who have, say, three kids or six kids, that turns into a lot of money. And I'm with you, Nancy. It concerns me taking on family debt for back to school. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, at 75% of parents admitting to feeling stressed about the costs associated with back to school spending, how concerning is it, I guess, to see that so many expect to take on this debt to cover back to school costs? I do think it's very concerning. And I feel like parents need to remember that your kids are going to be okay. And I felt like we went through this during COVID when kids were all of a sudden getting homeschooled, parents felt like they had to have the perfect setups. They had needed quiet. They needed all the tech. They needed all of the things in order for their kids to do well. And it made a lot of families who were struggling financially feel like their kids were going to suffer. But you know what? Kids can work around a table with siblings. They don't need all of the things. A lot of schools were getting Chromebooks, which did the trick. Yes, obviously, we wanted the best for them, but they're going to be fine. Okay? So I want parents to remember that, you know, you don't need to go into debt to make sure your kids are going to be okay. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes, like you say, you get caught up in wanting them to have everything that they want or everything that they think the other kids in the class are, are going to have. But, you know, everyone's in the same boat right now. Like most parents out there, I mean, all the surveys that I'm seeing are, you know, 70 to 80% of Canadians are worried about their finances. So that, it, those numbers have never been so high, right? Usually they're right. sort of 45 to 50%. So, you know, it's fair to say that most parents are feeling this way, right? And most parents are going to be looking for ways to reduce the amount that they have to spend or at least hoping to reduce the amount that they have to spend for back to school to avoid um, taking on that debt. And I think 
one of the key ways to do that, Julie, is by looking at a back-to-school budget, right? So let's talk a little bit about the importance of having that back-to-school budget, I guess, and the benefits of knowing how much you can afford to spend before you actually go shop. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know what? A budget is only as good as sticking to it and keeping it and paying attention to it. And I think it is so important. I think, you know, you need to stick to the list that the school provides. Don't go rogue. Don't go rogue from your budget just because you're getting attracted to the shiny object or the shoes with the sparkles in them. Involve your kids in it so that they understand. And I know we will talk about needs versus wants. This is huge in budgeting, right? And then and then it, it helps you prioritize. Yeah, 100%. And you're right. We talk about budgeting all the time and how, you know, you need to review it regularly. And you're right. A budget is only good if you're going to stick to it. So you can go through the exercise, but if you don't actually stick to what you've allocated for your budget, then it's as well as, as you didn't actually even take the time to do it, right? right. But I think right. now more than ever, because uh, things are more expensive and cash flow is tight, um, you need to make sure that you are really revisiting that budget regularly as you go through your school shopping. Because of course, you may not go out tomorrow and get everything you need, right? You're going to probably pick things up over the next few weeks and as you pick things up important to go back to that budget and make sure okay well did you stick within what you allotted for these particular items if not how do you adjust the budget on the remaining things right or do you return what you've gotten to make sure that you can stick within your budget like it's really important that you're revisiting that Uh, like I said I think right now more than ever and we've talked a lot Julie about um impulse buying and pressure from kids and, you know, parents feeling guilt about wanting their kids to have everything um, that they think they need. So what advice do you have for parents on being able to avoid these influences? Right. I think you need to remind yourself um, that you need to have confidence in yourself as a parent, that, you know, you have, you will do the right thing. Your kids will be fine. But honestly, and this might sound like a strange bit of advice, but I think sometimes you need to step away from social media. I feel like sometimes, you know, you see the highlight reels people are doing, um, posting a lot about, you know, the haul they did for back to school for their kids and people are seeing this and it's okay to step away and be like, you know what, I need to take a social media diet because this is making me feel like I'm not enough and my kids are not getting enough. So step away. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I recommend that in so many different shows that we do, right, to, to get out of the highlight reel, right? Because exactly. we all, it's, although we know, right, that a lot of the things we see on social media is a highlight reel and it's not necessarily the full picture or the reality of that individual's um life it's right. even though we know that in our subconscious it's hard sometimes to actually put that in perspective when you're seeing it live right and you know and it's it's so true and and, and Nancy because we're so emotional about our kids and we want the best for our kids it's really hard not to not let that project onto us what we see yeah. even though as you say we know it's the highlight reel yeah, 100%. So when we come back, Julie has some tips to help you keep costs down as you're getting your kids ready for back to school. Please stay with us. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Julie Cole. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, co-founder, and senior director of Mabel's Labels. 
She's a speaker, parenting expert, and best-selling author of the book, Like a Mother, Birthing Businesses, Babies, and a Life Beyond Labels. So our focus is back to school today. And in a couple of weeks, kids are going to be back in the classroom. But for parents, this can be a financially stressful time of year because we know getting the kids' classroom ready means back to school shopping for supplies and clothing and, and things for lunches and, and all that stuff. So as discussed in the opening segment, parents are prioritizing back to school supplies, but still plan to spend on average about $600 per child. So Julie, that's still a considerable amount of money. And especially, I guess, if you have more than one child that's returning to school. So what advice do you have for parents that are listening out there? How can they keep these costs down and stick to their back to school budget? And I think more importantly, avoid additional debt and therefore the stress that will come with that. Right, right. Now, I will say, interestingly, when you have more kids, at least you have a hand-me-down situation, which you can utilize, right? So there is that. Um, But yeah, back to school budgeting, um, absolutely understanding what is needed over what is wanted and having that conversation with your kids so they they know as well. Um, I really believe in sticking to the list the school provides. They often have have a list that is set per grade um, and if you can actually I mean it might be a little bit late for this now but just keep in mind for next year if you can buy your supplies off season sometimes not only can you have better access to them because places won't be sold out you know these Boston shoppers pay the price um, so if you shop off season you're more likely to get them and you're going to get them on sale I'm a big fan of uh, price matching as well coupon potting and of course inventory what have you already got you know i'm a big fan of making good purchases with things like backpacks i have a kid who's heading off to university and she said mom can i have a new backpack to go to university because i've had the same one since grade six and i'm like no because i spent a lot of money on that backpack so you would have it for years and years and years so i do things when i buy things like backpacks i don't buy things that might have Barbie on them. I buy gender neutral. I buy things that don't have have logos because I don't want the trend to pass and then say I need a new backpack because I no longer like Bluey or the Teletubbies or whatever is fashionable at the time. Um, and then again, that helps with the hand-me-down situation. I check now, you know, for back to school, are the uniforms still fitting? What uniforms can fit a younger sibling? What, you don't have to necessarily go and buy all new pencil grants. Let's spend the day getting a pencil sharpener out and, you know, doing that and seeing what paper we still have. So really, this is a great time to take stock of our inventory, whether that's clothing or school supplies. Um, My kids are big fans of thrifting. That's very trendy now, thrifting. Um, So make sure for back to school, you hit some of those thrift shops. We also have a laugh because we find so many Mabel's labels and the purchases my kids bring home, (laughs) which is pretty funny. But also um, a lot of my kids are uniformed and the schools will have a used uniform sale and parents are very good about posting stuff their kids about grown on 
on your local Facebook page. I'm on a Facebook page for all of my kids' schools where parents will post uniforms. Their children have grounds. So you can get, um, get all, you know, a little cheaper than brand new. So there are, there are ways. Um, and, yeah, so just make sure you're keeping an eye, buying, like I say, buy off season, do your inventory, and connect with other parents for hand-me-down situations. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about sort of the downside of, of social media, right, and the anxiety that it can sometimes cause. But I think that's one of the silver linings, right, with something like Facebook is that Absolutely. you do have those parent groups or, you know, the yeah. Facebook marketplace where you may be able to find back-to-school items, whether it's clothing, clothing or supplies that people are selling that will actually uh, save you money. And I like the idea, too, Julie, of partnering with other parents. Like many parents are friends or, you know, at least cordial with um their, their kids, friends, parents, right? And so maybe agreeing that you'll bulk buy items to save money, right? And, and then split it amongst um, the different kids. And I think there, the other benefit to that is then you know that the kids are all having the, the same things, right? And there's no that's, that's worry really or anxiety point. around, oh, well, what is this kid going to have, right? Because you've all agreed you're going to bulk buy and, and share. So there's some I, I really do love that, Nancy, because there's not the Johnny one up and shit factor, right? And you can go to a place like Costco where you can go online and buy in bulk and be like, okay, everybody, let's split the cost. And then, yeah, the kids have all the same stuff. And we've all spent the same amount of money and hopefully gotten a deal, a deal uh, along the way. And I just love also the parents working as a community together for their kids. Yeah, absolutely. I think really one of the other things that uh, often can prove costly for parents once school is back in session is lunches. So we know how high inflation is certainly causing many more stress at the grocery store, right? It's it's hard. I'm always surprised when I leave the grocery store and look in the bag and go, really? That's how much what I just picked up uh, actually cost, right? We're paying more for pretty much everything. So even as inflation is coming down, the cost Cost of food is still rising. So do you have any tips for parents on ways they can save when it comes to lunches? Yeah, I think um, I think that's a really good point. And I must say, Nancy, when all my kids are home and I've got like a bunch of hungry teenagers, my grocery bills are ridiculous, like ridiculous. So I really feel this personally and I feel this for parents and packing lunches, that transfers to that. So a couple of things that I feel strongly about is, um, and again, this kind of goes back to my backpack conversation is buying very good lunch containers that will last through the years. So nothing babyish, but but ensuring that your little ones are able with their little hands to open and close the containers. And I believe in practicing that for the week, the week before they go back to school, pack those little lunches and have them practice eating um, at home and, and using their containers to bring that independence. So get some good lunch containers. Obviously label them because you want them coming home it is literally a cheap insurance policy. You do not want to lose your lunch containers because if you get good ones, they can be costly, but it's worth it. Um, don't buy don't buy those prepackaged goods. You know, not only are they more expensive, a lot of the schools do the boomerang lunches, so they want litterless lunches, so they don't want all that stuff, all this all that packaging going to school. It's going to come home, and if you've got the good lunch containers, there's no need for it. Besides which, from a health perspective, 
those packaged things tend to be a little more sugary and a little more salty. And having the lunch containers will encourage your family to buy, you know, a, a big bunch of grapes and then split it between the kids, you know, rather than getting these little like lunchables or, you know, the high, high, um, like they're studying that sustainable from a, from a stewardship um, lesson for your kids. So I would say, uh, you know, make your own small portions. Um, I am a big fan of batch cooking because I feed so many humans. So my kids often, I would never make dinner for one sitting. I will make um, a, a huge dinner so that it goes in thermoses the next day or I get another meal out of it somehow later in the week. So definitely think about that. And I do a lot of planning. So I don't just go to the grocery store and be like, oh, we need this, we need that. I have a list and I meal plan so that I end up throwing out very little. Um, also, then my kids, I have listed what our meals are going to be for the week. And I don't have to hear what for dinner seven times, 24-7, <laughs> which drives me crazy. But it also does help me then for the lunch prep as well. Yeah, those are some really great tips. And I think, you know, some of the things we're talking about here, it provides some teachable moments for kids, right? So whether it's the budget, whether it's the couponing, whether it's the meal planning, like all those things provide us with some teachable moments when it comes to sort of financial literacy with our kids. So let's talk a little bit about that now. For sure. So how, how would you recommend, Julie, parents go about those teachable moments? Yeah, I think just you need to be having these conversations from the start. Involve the kids in those conversations. Have them help with the meal planning. Have them have them pack the lunches with you and have these conversations while you're doing all these things. I think that's that's key. I, I feel like the I, I feel like parents have been. I feel like parents don't necessarily get the financial literacy thing right. And I think it's probably because a lot of us actually don't have a lot of self-confidence in that anyway, which is why I am a big believer in having a closer relationship with your banker, with your financial advisor, um, a trusting relationship so that you can also learn and then pass those messages on. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, I think you're right. Like a lot of parents out there feel like they never got those teachings when they were growing up and they're not really sure all the time on how to go about it with their own kids for that reason. And you know, there's so many great resources out there. I know on our own video uh, debt website, we have some tips and tricks for parents around that. CPA Canada has some great things about teaching your kids about money. Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, FCAC, has, again, some great information on their website about how to go about that. But I think just always having in your mind, is there a learning moment here um, for my child? And one that I love, um, I talked about it earlier on, uh, on VFM this week, is that, you know, if you have a budget and you've involved your child in the budgeting process, as you're going through and buying things and kicking them off your, your list and reviewing it with your budget, if they want something that's a little more expensive than you budgeted, make sure they're reviewing the budget say, okay, well, that's okay, but where are we going to cut elsewhere, right? What are we going to reduce our budget on in, in other areas so that they're part of the process? It's, it's similar to that moment where, you know, a child wants a new toy and you say to them, well, 
are you, are you willing to pay for half? Like I'll pay for half if you'll pay for half. And then it sort of gets them thinking, okay, do I really want it? <laughs> exactly. Right? You know what? That's when the truth comes out. And that's why I'm a yeah. <laughs> them having skin in the game because they're like, hey, I really want these like name brand runners or sneakers. And you're like, great. Okay. Well, I'll pay half. And they're like, ah, no, it's okay. I'm like, ah, so there we are. And also it is good. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the bigger kids, but it is good for them to think like my kids are like, how many burgers did I have to flip to buy this pair of shoes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And in fact, Julie, when we come back, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at those kids that are maybe heading off to college or university because they need supplies and they need to be classroom ready as well. So please stay with us. Join Greg Smith weeknights at 545 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune into Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So today's focus is advice for parents on getting their kids ready for back to school, but sticking within a budget to do that. So my guest and expert on this topic is Julie Cole. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, co-founder, and senior director of Mabel's Labels, parenting expert and best-selling author of Like a Mother, Birthing Businesses, Babies, and a Life Beyond Labels. So Julie, in the open segment we focused on getting the younger kids ready for school but I think now I'd like to move on to some of the older kids so those are heading off to college or university because surveys show that parents of these children expect to spend on average $1,300 in getting them ready so nearly half at 43% say it's because they need more new items one-third at 32% attributed to be to needing more big ticket items such as computers or phones calculators uh, maybe furniture for their dorm room, something like that. So what's your response to this plan spending? Well, this one is hitting me with all the feels because I, it's very relatable to me this year, particularly as my fourth heads off to university and is going to residence. And we just ourselves did our little back to school shop with our budget. And it's funny too, because it depends on the kid. Like this one was, you know, wanted throw pillows and wanted things like that, where my other three, <laughs> my other three were like, didn't think about that stuff at all. But this one's a little fancier and she's a little more, you know, engaged in the Instagram like she follows all the dorm decoration like people on Instagram and that sort of thing so it totally depends on your kid but if you've got one like my fourth is then the budgeting becomes even more important you know there are things that we knew she needed she needed a new iPad she didn't need a new um, laptop she didn't need a new phone the the tech is a thing it's real because I mean even by the time I was in law school and this is going back years I was bringing a laptop so you know where you're going to save now and things like stationary because they're all just submitting they're not printing essays anymore and handing them in it's all submitted electronically so there will there will be some expenses around electronics and that is just the way it is so you need to budget maybe you don't get all the fancy throw pillows or she wants an ottoman so that friends can come and sit in her dorm room and have somewhere to sit I'm like they can sit on your chair like so you have to pick if you want the iPad there's no ottoman with storage and you know so you do have to have to prioritize these things um 
but I, I, I do I do feel this hard. I have to say though, one thing that Daddy and I were were very smart about, and this was you know having six kids, is that we did a lot of financial planning around higher education. So we are able, you know, through our RESPs and other savings, um, we really got in front of all of this. And I know, you know, that might be tough to hear for people who haven't been doing the planning. But again, this is why parents who are listening who have young kids get on it now, because if you think they're expensive now, you wait. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a really important point, right? Like, and it's never too late to start that, right? Because you're going to have something, right? No matter where you are yeah. in, your, in your kid's age and going through the education system. And there's a lot of free money out there when it comes to RESPs, right? Because you've got the government grants that come into play. So it's talking to someone to get educated around how that works, um, you know, you're not in it alone. The government has so much grants and matching that they put into these things. So just having a conversation about how to get started and that I think it, it's never too late for you to do that, right? You should always be uh, looking at that and planning ahead. I love that advice. So, you know, for parents out there, there's no doubt that they're concerned about the costs with ensuring that their child has what they need for campus life and that does add stress right knowing if they are ready also to be on their own especially when it comes to managing their own finances for the first time right we know when they go to university there's often booths set up with people offering credit cards and, and things of that nature they're maybe living and working uh, part-time and, and maybe having to pay rent and, and budget for meals and groceries and, and all that stuff and according to a recent TD Bank Group survey two in three Canadian parents at 66% are not highly confident in their children's financial knowledge at their current age. And an overwhelming majority at 89% say they would feel more confident about it if their child had improved financial knowledge before their teenage years. So what are your thoughts on this survey, Julie? Well, again, it's not shocking to me because I kind of go back to that point I mentioned where I think parents are not entirely confident in their own financial literacy. So passing that on is something that we're not particularly great at. So the survey is not surprising to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think when you talk to college kids themselves, right, past polls on this topic show that what they feel are the most challenging for them is dealing with the financial stress. And I think, you know, that's common no matter what age these days. Um, I think preparing and working with a budget is challenging for them because they maybe haven't done it in the past or haven't been part of that with their family. And paying and managing monthly living expenses. Again, because when you're living at home, you know, your parents are taking care of that, right? and you're when you come out on your own you really don't have a lot of experience in that so when you consider these concerns I think it really is a crucial time for parents to be having the money talk right with their kids so what advice do you have for parents listening how they start that discussion and what advice should they be sharing with their kids right so you know hopefully to get in front of this this is the conversation they started when the children were young and you actually gave them allowance my kids got an allowance but it was not based on chores. I don't pay kids to be a part of the family. Nobody pays me to make dinner. I don't pay kids to wash dishes. But by giving them allowance gives them practice. Okay, how much do I want to spend? How much do I have to save? And then when they get part-time jobs, again, how much do you spend? How much do you save? We do it in percentages. And you need to talk to your kids when they're going to university. All right, tuition and residence costs cost this much. What are we covering? What are you covering? Are you doing books and beers? Let's include our, our ESPs. Can you get a scholarship there are grants 
first year, are you able to manage getting a part-time job? Sometimes first year, I prefer my kids just to like focus on living independently and getting to classes on time. My second year, I'm like, okay, I think you're okay to pick up a, a part-time job. Um, and understanding, again, going back to that, that wants, the wants and the needs, um, and understanding what, you know, how much they can spend on entertainment, um, how much is spent on their meal plan. They really do need to budget and track their spending. And I feel like finances for kids of this age, young adults, I always call them kids, my kids get mad. Um, it's like when they also, when they were a bit younger and they got a phone and you review it, it's like training wheels, right? So I think with their finances, um, if you're not confident that your child's going to be able to manage their finances, let's have a Zoom call with them or if they're home or get on the phone with them monthly, review it regularly. And it's like training wheels. When you feel like they're managing this fine, you check in less regularly. Then maybe it's bi-monthly or you check in at the end of every semester and be like, let's look at your finances. How are you managing? So treat their finances and checking in like training wheels that will eventually come off and they'll be on that bike on their own. Yeah, I love that, right? So it's not just where you're having a money talk and you're, you're teaching them this is how you budget, but you're following up with them and making sure they're staying on track, that they understand what they should be looking at when they're reviewing their budget, right? How they should be making adjustments as needed. So I, I think that's some really, really great advice. I think one of the things too, I mean, we, we talked a lot about social media in the first couple of segments in different ways, but I think fear of missing out often comes up when you when you look at social media as well. Right. And living away from home for the first time means that they have more freedom. But we all know that youth today are tied to their devices. Right. And the influences that come with being connected to social media. So I think fear of missing out can lead to overspending and living beyond their means. And that really can prove costly and leave some of them struggling to manage debt, perhaps. Right. Especially if they've signed up for that credit card when they go to campus. So what advice can you share with parents out there when it comes to speaking with your kids about the fear of missing out. Um, I think having the conversation is the first part. It's so funny because I just actually talked to some of my kids yesterday about it um, and whether, you know, because some of them are like, sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't and what triggers it and find out what triggers it. But I think the best thing that parents can do, and I always say we can talk till we're blue in the face, but this parenting gig is a role modeling gig. So I, you know, my kids will often hear me say, oh, you know what? All oh, my friends are going, they got tickets to the Taylor Swift concert, but I am not spending $800 to see Taylor Swift. That's not in my budget. I budgeted this for entertainment, so that's something I'm going to have to miss out on. So they hear me and they see me prioritizing what social events. Um, and even from an emotional standpoint, I'll be like, oh, some of the moms are going to this, but oh, I didn't get an invitation to that. Oh, I'm sure they just didn't have enough room. I'll probably get invited another time. And I don't get offended. I don't, you know, I don't make it drama. So I really try to role model um, that 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 the attitude I want them to have towards FOMO because I think you're absolutely right FOMO can make you overspend so make sure you're role modeling to your kids and again to your point the social media having a conversation about the high light reel and tell them if they're following people who somehow make them feel bad or make them feel like they're missing out or somehow are impacting their mental health or negatively impacting them hit unfollow 
hit unfollow. You do not have to follow people who make you feel bad. Yeah, I love that, right? And it sounds it sounds like something that should be so simple, but sometimes you really do need to bring that to, to someone's attention, right? It's okay just yeah. to say, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be part of that anymore. I'm not gonna look That's at this right. and follow this anymore, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about debt um, that is something that is new, right, with many post-secondary students and how they manage that debt now can have a huge impact on the financial future. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Julie Cole. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, co-founder, and senior director with Mabel's Labels, and best-selling author of the book, Like a Mother, Birthing Businesses, Babies, and a Life Beyond Labels. So, Julie, we were talking in the last segment about, you know, teaching your kids about budgeting, especially as they get out to living on their own, and the fear of missing out and and the things that can lead to overspending when it comes to uh, social media for for them. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on that for parents as well, right? So oftentimes kids are involved in a lot of extracurricular activities and these all have additional costs, which I'm sure are hurting cash flow more now than ever. And often parents do want to have their kids involved in these things because of the fear of them missing out. So what are some ways that parents can mitigate these costs? Right. Um, You know, it's interesting. I I feel like actually through COVID, a big lesson I learned was that the kids don't have to be doing all the things. Like we were going, I had six kids in hockey. And after COVID, a couple of them were like, I don't want to go back to hockey. I'm like, you don't have to. Right. So you need to prioritize what the activities are. If you have, um, you know, you can say everybody gets to do an instrument and a sport or just pick what you what you you can do they don't have to do all of the things make them prioritize based on their interests um sometimes you can get sibling discounts if i know uh for my three kids who played hockey in the same league the third child was half price and then on the other league i went to them and said hey i have three kids in this league too the other league's giving me half price and they said all right we'll do the same so ask as i say to my kids notes are free you might as well ask ask the question right um and say no to your kids you know you can say uh you know what that's not in our budget right now we can't be doing all of the things that's okay and i get i get the fomo thing but the cost of extracurriculars has gone up significantly i can tell you last year i had one daughter playing hockey a teenager and she had three games this was house league three games every two weeks and it cost me eight hundred dollars and i'm like that is cost prohibitive for most families so you need to make sure you know if you're going to do hockey and that's not i mean if you have a child playing rep hockey you're paying for hotels you're paying restaurant fees every weekend it gets absolutely ridiculous 
So don't even get me started on the racket that is competitive dance. <laughs> so, you know, I, you can say to your kids, guess what? You can play hockey with kids in our very own town. That's fine. You don't have to go play with kids in other towns. So you just need, as a family, you need to prioritize. And again, if your kids aren't playing rep hockey, it's probably fine because none of them are going to the NHL. Let's face it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think we sometimes forget that piece, right? Like, there's a very, 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 very small percentage of kids that are playing in these leagues that actually are going to be professional athletes, right? So the important thing is that they're getting the experience of playing on a team, right? Or they're they're getting some exercise or, you know, all all the the things that we want um, them to experience as opposed to being part of the biggest and best uh, teams or multiples right so Nancy, for example that's exactly right yeah like if they're, if they're they're kids they're not projects yeah yeah so maybe one or two dance classes is enough maybe they don't need four or five or six right and yeah. it is a it is a really emotional topic for for parents I know just you know going through budget with our clients one of the things we do at our initial consultation um, is go through their budget and one of the hardest things for them to think about cutting back on is extracurricular for kids because they want them to be part of all the things and sometimes you know maybe they haven't even had the conversation about what the kids want to be part of right right so to your point maybe they wouldn't even care if they they weren't in this particular activity or they cut back on the number uh, of activities so just having the conversation with the kids about you know what they really enjoy and what they want to be part of can be helpful in making that decision for sure. Well, and again, wonder- there is a way, I was just going to mention too, Nancy, there is a way to have skin in the game there too. I know I wanted to do dance growing up and my, my parents said, you can have one dance class. And I was like, that's fine. And then when I was a teenager, I said, okay, well, I'm going to clean the dance studio. So I cleaned the dance studio on Saturday morning so that I could pay for my tap class. And then I helped out with the little ones on a Monday afternoon that would pay for my ballet class. So there are ways that kids can figure out if they want to do something where there's a will, there's a way. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, before we run out of time for um, to get to final thoughts, I want to talk a little bit about the debt piece, right? So we talked about in the last segment, as kids go off to university, they're often approached on campus about, you know, signing up for a credit card. Many of them may have student loan debt or maybe a student line of credit. Um, and we want to make sure that kids, when they get these things, don't see it as a financial windfall or, you know, an ATM, <laughs> right? Because right. it's not free money, right? interest is attached to that and there's all kinds of things that they need to to keep in mind and I think one of the things that that parents often look at is should they be monitoring their kids spending so should they uh, have access to their bank account for example right to to see how they're doing do they want to see their credit card uh, statements should they see their credit card statements to make sure that they are you know using and managing these things responsibly what's your thoughts on that Well, I think with anything with parenting, um, my first comment would be it depends. It depends on the child. I have one kid who wants us very involved. Um, His executive functioning skills are not great. He is on autism spectrum. So when he, I mean, he's graduated from university now, but all the way through, he wanted us doing check-ins and we did do check-ins. And then I have another child who um, has managed their own finances their entire like lives, basically. So I Again, it's, it's knowing your kid, knowing where their skills are, 
are and going back to the training wheels analogy, right? Like maybe for that first year, you are doing those regular check-ins, having those conversations. We do want to treat our kids like adults. We do want to give them responsibility. And all of that comes from giving them practice through high school. Um, but I think for that first little while, you want to make sure they're not treating, treating it like a windfall. And maybe they only get access to certain amount. I know for our kids, they only actually access um, so much per year so that they can't treat it like a windfall. It's physically not there in their bank accounts. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, there, there's benefits, right, of them having um, their first credit card or, or line of credit. Yes. You know, coming up with a credit history, right, starting a credit history is important as you go through life, right, and you want to make bigger purchases, right? You want to get a, a new car or, or lease a car or you want to, um, you know, pay for a mortgage and, and get a house. Like you, You're going to need to have some sort of credit history. So starting off with that is important because you'll start – with your credit history, you'll get a credit score. Um, for some kids, you know, rewards credit cards can help them with some of the other costs, right, by cashing in on some of those rewards. But all those things are great, but you want to make sure that you're providing your kids with the advice on managing that student credit card um, proactively, right? So paying off right. their balance in full each month, not being late with their monthly payments, not going over their credit limit. Uh, and don't use the credit card to withdraw cash because we know that cash advances are charged very high um, rates. So it can be as high as seven and a half percent, right? Ouch. And and that's yeah. important to to know. And and those interest charges on cash advances will kick in right away. So it's not even like you wait until the end of the month if you've paid it back, you're not going to get interest. So all those things are important to know and important for for uh, parents to be talking about uh, with their kids to make sure that they have a really good understanding. So, Julie, we've got some time now for some final thoughts. You know, we've already had some really great advice for parents out there getting re ready for back to school. But if you could leave our listeners with a final thought, what would it be? Um, I would say a couple of things. I think, um, again, that whole role modeling thing. And when you talked about the credit cards, to me, I'm like, my kids know. They hear me say, I have never not paid off my credit card in full. They know that I hate paying interest. They know. So we really role modeled about how to have healthy debt, how to manage credit cards. And I feel like that has instilled a lot of sort of the, the, the values around um, manage, managing credit cards. So that's one thing. Um, again, comparison is the thief of joy. That FOMO, um, if you're seeing things on social media, you know, you don't know what other and I see this all the time I'm like you don't know what kind of debt those other people are taking on to do those things and we are not in that comfort zone of willing to take on kind of that kind of debt so they'll, you know my kids will be like why do they have those expensive cars I'm like we don't know their situation do not compare keep driving around our crummy cars because comparison is the thief of joy the budget is only as good as sticking to it and um, yeah financial literacy is your best friend and if you're not great at it get a good bank get a good advisor talk to our friend nancy honestly these are having somebody in your life who can help you with this stuff is life changing get expertise if you don't have it 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And we talk about that. I think really regardless of what the topic is, we always say, you know, get it, get the right advice, right? Talk to a yeah. professional. Uh, you know, you wouldn't self-diagnose uh, if, you, if you were feeling ill, right? Or you yeah. wouldn't, if you're not, if you don't have the skills of a mechanic, you're not going to try to fix your own car, right? So right. It, it's the same in all aspects of life, right? If you're not great with financial planning, you're not great with budgeting, you're not great with um, managing debt and credit get the right advice and whether that's for yourself right to, to make yeah. those skills better for you or so that you can pass on those skills uh, to your kids it's always um, always always a priority and, to make sure and that you know what Nancy, right and I I say this in my business as well you know what just get the people who are good at it. I, I could spend a week trying to do my taxes or I could hire somebody to do it in 20 minutes and then guess what I get to do? I get to spend time focusing on what I need to do, which is you know, sell labels and, and, and build my business and get out there. So, you know, every time we spend time doing something we're not good at, we're taking away from the time that, that what we should be focusing on, right? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, Julie, it's been really great having you on the show uh, today. So if people wanted to reach out, right, they want to get some more advice, follow you on social media, or maybe pick up a copy of your book, what's the best way for them to do that? You know what? All of my stuff can be found, my socials, ordering my book on Amazon or any of the booksellers, my blogs, uh, media appearances can all be found at mabelslabels.com slash Julie Cole. That's great. Well, thanks again for joining me today. It's always so good to have you on the show. Great talking to you, Nancy. Have a great back to school. Thank you. And remember, listeners out there, I always want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. On Your or VOCM.